Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Uh, verse 1 says, that which was from the beginning... Uh, oh yeah, sorry, tech team. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I want to start at verse one because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on verse two this week. So if you kind of throw out verse one there, that would be good. If you don't have it, you guys can just follow along in your Bible. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. This is what I preached on last week. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at. We talked about the difference between seeing with our eyes and looking at. Um, and our hands have touched. Um, that which was from the beginning. He's talking about Jesus. This, he says, we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now, verse 2 is what we're going to focus on today. The life appeared. All right, there, there you go. The life appeared. And that's really where, where I want to focus today in those, those three words, the life appeared. Um, but he says, the life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you, the eternal life which was with the Father and has, there's the word again, appeared to us. So you guys can leave that passage up there. I'm just going to be talking about this passage. This is so important for John's uh, letter that, that you understand that the life appeared. Now last week we began talking about uh, the difference between life and other things. Notice it does not say the church appeared, even though the church is a good thing. It doesn't say the dress code appeared. Um, even you can take that. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but some dress code is definitely good. There's, there are good limits. Uh, it doesn't say the, the, the movies you could and couldn't watch appeared. It doesn't say the rules appeared. It doesn't say the worship songs appeared. It doesn't say the preaching appeared, even though these are all good things. But that is not the, the crux of the gospel. For John, he's, he's beginning. Remember, this whole book is about love. And he's going to be teaching us about love, the love of God, the love of God for us, the love of us for God, and the love of us for others. And so ultimately, that's what the book is about. But he, it's almost like before he can get to love, he has to talk about life. The life, he says, appeared. And he's narrowing down. This is the simple gospel. He's narrowing it down to the, to the bare basics of what the gospel is. And you say, well, that's not the gospel. I thought the gospel was that Jesus was born in a manger and, and he lived a sinless life and he died a sinner's death and he was raised again on the third day. No, that's not the gospel. That's the story of Jesus, but that's not the gospel. And it's certainly not the gospel that Jesus preached. You do know that Jesus went around preaching. What exactly could he preach if he hasn't died yet, if he hasn't been raised from the dead. We know he wasn't going around saying, hey, did you know I died for your sins and I rose again from the dead? And if you just believe those things, then you can have eternal life. That's not, a, that's not in the Gospels. That's not even in Scripture. That's something that, I don't know, 1950s church made up. It really, like, that's not the way into heaven is believing a story. Because demons believe the story because it's historical fact. Uh, anybody can believe a story. So a story is not the gospel. The gospel is that the life appeared. And, so, you, and so, so that's why true faith involves not just coming to a like mental understanding. Yes, Jesus did this and he walked here and he died there and he did those things. True faith is, is agreeing with what God says about who Jesus actually is. He is the life. 
And so in Mark chapter 1, uh, Mark chapter 1 verse, I think it's verse 14. They should have it up there on the screen. Uh, Mark chapter 1, Jesus came, it says, preaching the gospel. It says that after John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel. Once again, this is Mark chapter 1, okay? So he hasn't died. He hasn't risen from the dead. He hasn't even turned, you know, multiplied the fishes and loaves, the Long John Silver miracle. Like he hasn't even done any of that. He's just, he's just, he's preaching the gospel because here's the deal. The gospel is not what Jesus did. If you believe the gospel is about what Jesus did, then you'll believe your response to the gospel is basically what you do. And this is why we get into a, a religion that, that looks at what we do instead of what we are. And so Jesus here says, look, this is the gospel. I haven't done anything. Literally, he, he's just coming out, fresh out of the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, hasn't done any miracles, hasn't done hardly any preaching. He preached one sermon one time and got kicked out of church. He, he, he hasn't done anything yet, but he's preaching the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this is what he said. This is the sermon. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning you can reach out and touch it. It's, it's near to you. Meaning the life has appeared. The life has gone from obscurity to openness. The life has gone from distance. The life has covered the distance between you and it. It has come near to you. This is the gospel. And so he says, like this is his, this is his sermon right here. The time is fulfilled. That's point number one. So now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. If you're listening to me right now, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where life can move into your, into your sphere, into your circle, into your mind, into your heart, into your family, into your home, into your job. Life can move into your neighborhood and, and change you from the inside out. This is the time. It's not going to be another time. This is, this is one of the problems I have. <laughs> Doesn't that sound positive? This is one of the problems I have with some like modern worship songs. There's, I, I, I've been trying to put my finger on it because it's like, I don't know, I like the hymns and I like, I like the songs we sing, but there's this often like undertone of something's coming. You know, like, like Jesus is coming. He's going to find you. You know, there's no mountain he won't climb up. No, something he won't blow up coming after me. I don't know how that goes, but... <laughs> He's like, he's doing stuff. He's knocking things down. He's blowing stuff up. He's pushing demons out of the way to come after you. Like he's coming. So if you don't, if you don't see him, just hold on. He's coming. No, like John's, John's message is the life has past tense appeared. And this is Jesus' message that the time is now. Then the time is not sometime in the future when Jesus finds you in the dust. He can find you in the dust today. He has already appeared. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the moment that if you just simply reach out for him, you can find him. This is Jesus' first point. So he's a great preacher. He didn't, he didn't spend 15 minutes like I do on his first point. He says the time is fulfilled. He says, and the kingdom of heaven is drawn, is near to you. It's at hand. And here's the altar call repent and believe in the gospel not the story that Jesus came and lived and died that's a good story you ought to read it and understand it but the gospel is so much more than that story the gospel is that is that the time is now and the kingdom is close that the life has appeared this is why John just narrows it down. He doesn't bother going through the crucifixion. He doesn't bother talking about the resurrection. He says, no, this is the point. The point of it all is that, is that life appeared. 
And we, we talked last week about the difference between life and religion and life and worship songs and life. It, but it's life. And that's, by the way, that's what, that's what Jesus came to give us is life. And he is himself life. And so he came to give us himself. And life is so much better than, than church. <laughs> and, I, and I like church. And I assume you all sort of like it at least because you're here and you guys are watching. So you're obviously you kind of you're into it. Right. And, 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 and but man, life is so much more than church. I guarantee you most of the important stuff in your life did not happen in church. It's kind of weird for a pastor to say, right? But come back next week. Um, <laughs> but seriously, John, John is not promoting an event. John is not promoting a club that you get a membership to. God is not promoting, uh, John is not promoting these things through the function of the Holy Spirit, he says, let's narrow this thing down to what it really is. Jesus is life. And he's the life that's from the beginning, meaning that the life that sprung all of this into life. And by the way, most of this is not, I'm not talking about this building. I, I mean, when you drive out in the parking lot and when you, when you go home and, and when, you, when you kiss your spouse and, and when you hold your children. And I mean life. I mean like real life. Life that, that, that makes you want to wake up in the morning and go to work. Life that, makes you, the, well, life that makes you want to push through the craziness of this election just, to, just, just because life is good. And, 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 and this, is, this is God. This is Jesus. He is the life. He imparted life. Life breathes into dirt and it becomes a living being. And, 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 and life uh, speaks over mountains and they suddenly have all kinds of different colored birds landing on the trees. And I mean, life creates stuff that we haven't even been able to discover yet because we can't go deep enough in the ocean to see the crazy, bizarre things that life just sprung into existence. And we don't have telescopes to show us far enough how far far life has created beauty and we, what we can see we're like wow this is amazing because because that's life and you narrow it right down to the atom and right in the middle of the atom is this thing this this energy and nobody really knows what it is but it's life and it is life that began that sprung everything john also calls it light which is another way that scientists call the thing in the middle of the atom i'm not a scientist but it's light and it's crazy and, and this is jesus jesus is the life that sprung everything into life. And so if you think that Jesus is, is, is that, that he's that unlimited, that, um, that abundant, that glorious, that beautiful, and then he would narrow himself down to a church service for an hour and 25 minutes on Sunday morning. Why? Why, why would he do that? Like, no, he's bigger than church. He's bigger than a song. He's bigger than a sermon. He's, he's bigger than goosebumps and, and feeling and getting hit and falling over. He's bigger than those things. He is life. And life is what, life is what happens that really changes things. In fact, I, uh, oh man, I just, oh, I forgot something. You guys, did I, did, did I give you that slide, the ML slide? I was gonna, I was gonna share a little something, but I just had this, I had his picture just show up in my mind as I'm talking about the power of life over church. And I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at church. I mean, church is whatever, it's good. But real, real stuff happens uh, outside of church. Real impact happens outside of church. And yeah, that's it. 
uh, Pastor Malcolm Lavender was uh, one of my one of my heroes. I, that's that's a picture I got this past weekend when I was home. Um, it just totally looks like him. I don't know. This is taken. 30 years ago, I guess. It's a while ago. Um, I thought he was old then. Uh, and, uh, but he just passed away uh, three days ago, four days ago, I think. And so I, yeah, I, I did. I forgot. I wanted to honor him and um, just honor his, his, uh, uh, his work in my life. Uh, obviously, he's done a lot of other things. He's written uh, some great books. He has a translation of the New Testament, which we've passed out to some of you. But this is a guy, this is my pastor's dad. And uh, this is him at our house on Range Road back, this is probably 1995 or so. Um, and uh, we, used, we used to live there and he was just visiting. And um, yeah, I just, I just saw his face when I'm talking, I'm trying to explain to you that life is so much bigger uh, than an event. Like he used to preach, but I don't remember any of his sermons. You know what I mean? And you probably don't remember many of mine either, so whatever. It, but but he, he used to preach sometimes, like they would let him preach sometimes. But really, I mean, the, the, the stuff that I do remember was uh, I was 12 years old, and um, I told my, my mom and dad and, and my pastor that I felt called to the ministry, and that scared the heck out of me. Um, but I thought, well, I just feel called to ministry. I don't know what to do with that. And so I don't know if, if my pastor talked to his dad to... ML or Malcolm Lavender, as we called him. I don't know if he talked to ML or what, but uh, ML approached my parents and said, hey, uh, he, he had a PhD in linguistics. And so he, he said, hey, if, 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 uh, if, if, if Harry, Harry J, they call me in Michigan, if Harry J and Peter want to come over once a week, we were homeschooled, they want to come over once a week and, and uh, uh, just start to learn the Greek New Testament, um, you know, I could, I could train them in that because if Harry wants to be in the ministry, he's going to need to learn the original language to be able to read the Bible and understand it better. And so, and, and so we did that. So it was me and Peter and Brandon, and I think Michael used to come. So like four of us kids, you know, Pete's three years younger than me. So he was like nine at that time. Um, so I learned, I learned Greek before I learned English. And uh, Greek helped me understand English and how bizarre English is, because Greek is not bizarre. It actually makes sense. And there's, you have rules. You don't break the rules. Who knew? Like, and, 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 but no, like sitting in his office for a couple of hours every Thursday, I think, and just, just listening to him, just read from the, his Greek Bible, the Greek New Testament. You know, he, we, we, we worked our way four years. We worked our way through a grammar, uh, summer's Greek grammar. And he just poured into us and he just, and, and it was one of those things where it's like, you saw how much he loved the Bible. Like, I don't know if you've seen somebody love something, maybe a car, maybe a job, maybe a sports team, but you've seen somebody love something and it's like, wow, that's, that's impressive. And for me, sitting across the, the desk in his study, and then when I started preaching as a teenager, he opened up his study. He's like, you can come in and you can use all my commentaries. You can just, I spent hours in his study just using all his books. And then every Christmas, he would tell my parents what books to buy, me and Peter. So every Christmas, we, got, we kept adding to our library different lexicons and commentaries and, uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And so, I don't know, I just, I just saw his face because I don't know what impact he had in church necessarily. And I'm not sure what impact he had with the books that he's written. I assume some people have read them and they, they bought them and I've heard different stories, but I know what impact he made in my life. And it was in life. It was in, it was in my living room. It was in, his, it was in his study, you know, which was really his garage he turned into a study. And, 
And, and I'm telling you, those are the things that made a lasting impact on me. I mean, probably aside from my parents, I mean, he had the most, the greatest impact on my life of anybody, especially as I was, as I was younger. And so anyway, yeah, I want to honor him. He passed away. He graduated to heaven this week, 90 years old, um, lived a long life. He's now joining his wife, Ish, who passed away five years ago. And um, yeah, different ones that have gone on before. And so I'm thankful for him. And I'm thankful uh, that in real life, because that's, that's the thing, like people, people who haven't had life and they've only had church, they're different in church than they are out of church. <laughs> like they know how to do church, but they don't know how to do life. And, and this guy knew how to do life. And, and God wants us to know how to do life. He wants us to have life. Life is so much more than, than, than a commitment. Life is so much more than a belief. I believe that Jesus rose again on the third day, that he ascended into heaven. With, okay, fine, that's great. But do you have life? Like, do people around you catch your passion for life, real life, for Jesus, for his word, for his thought? I mean, you know, I, 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 I got to introduce Ro to, to ML, and we would go every Christmas Eve, because I was home at that time usually, and we'd fly up to Michigan, and we'd sit and we'd talk. And every single time, it always came down. Uh, ML always talk about the atonement and that Calvinists are bad. Like, that's pretty much, that's, what, that's his message, you know. <laughs> Stay away from Calvinists, and this is the atonement. It's all about the atonement. And every time you met with him, he'd go to his study, he'd all papers all over his desk, and he's like, okay, so this Greek word connects with that. I mean, he just loved it. And, he, and it fired me up, and it caused me to fall in love with the Word of God. And then he gave me the tools to be able to, to, to build up that relationship I had with the living Word. Because it is living, it is alive, and you can't ever study it enough, and you can't just read it and be done. It, it, it speaks to you, it, it, it comforts you, it challenges you, it guides you. It's, it is my friend, and so it was his, you know, best friend. And anyway, I, I, I just, I, I want so much more for you all. You know, I want so much more, which is why, you know, planning services is like the, the lowest thing I do. <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed how wonderfully planned this is, but... Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's literally, it's down like this is the last thing I do because services are great and people coming together is wonderful, especially in person and, and then online, having the tech and the ability, to, all that is wonderful and it's, and it's important. But ultimately what's, hap- what's important is what happens between, between the 20s, right, yeah. it's football season, between the, like in life, like Monday through Saturday, what, what's important is the people I'm pouring into in those times. And the, and, and the people you're pouring into, the people you're encountering, the people you're walking alongside, like that's what's really, really important. So I want that for you. I want you to experience life because you can have, you can have a, a laptop. I have a MacBook Air back there and it's vintage. It's 19, uh, it's, no, it's not in the 1900s. It's 2011, 2011 MacBook Air. Like it was a couple years after they came out and, it, and I got it loaded up. I got the whole Adobe Creative sweet on it, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, all that stuff. And I've used it like literally every day, almost since 2011. It was a part of my job before. It's kind of a part of my job now. It's a big part of my life. But if your laptop is dead, all the stuff inside of it doesn't matter. You know, like, and you know, it's a little old and it's a Mac. So it dies frequently. You know, all you have iPhones, you know what I'm talking about. 
It's very, it's just, it's just, it's just true. It's, it, it's, it's our cross to bear, okay? Better interface, lesser energy, you know? I don't know how that works, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's dying all the time. And so if it's dead, though, none of the stuff inside of it works. And sometimes I, I'm afraid that we focus so much, like church becomes like a, a Photoshop training session where we train you how to use stuff that hasn't even come awake yet. And we train you how to walk and stuff that you don't even feel yet. And we train you how to think and stuff that you don't even believe yet. And we train you how to act in ways that you're not even, it's not coming from here. It's coming, it's this thing. It's like, okay, yes, Photoshop works that way. And you click this and you push that. But if the laptop is dead, if you are not connected to life, then all the teaching, all the training, and all the rules, and all the stuff, and you know, like people who post on Facebook, just be a good human. That's the dumbest advice. I'm sorry. It's an oxymoron, number one. There's no such thing as good humans without God. There is no good without life. And so, I mean, yeah, you can be good. You can be nice sometimes, but then you'll be not nice other times. And you'll, you'll be kind sometimes. And then you'll be really mean other times. But when, when life comes into you, suddenly it awakens everything else that God intended for you to live with and live in. That's why, that's why as I preached a few weeks ago, proximity is so important to power. And weakness is not a deficiency issue. It's a distance issue. It's not that you're lacking strength. It's that you are not near enough to the source of power. So it becomes a, a distance issue, not a deficiency issue. You don't need to work on your lack of patience. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it's something that turns on when the Spirit is plugged into you. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It is not an exercise that you develop. It's not a skill that you developed. My Lord's working on my patience, put me in traffic. No, like that's just exposing your deadness is all that's doing. That's exposing the fact that you're not plugged in. It doesn't mean you need to go to another small group and learn about patience. It means you need to go to a church that's teaching you and showing you how to plug into Jesus so that these things will naturally come out of you instead of artificially being placed inside of you. So I'm not here to tell you, be patient, be loving, be kind. That's the fruit of the Spirit, man. That's stuff that comes awake when you plug into Jesus. So my goal is just to tell you the life appeared. This is the big news. This is the, this is the grand announcement. The life has appeared, and it has come close to you and me. And I know sometimes, I know sometimes as I'm preaching that, you're like, yeah, but it doesn't feel close. And I can tell you, even in my own experience, sometimes it doesn't feel close. Or there's been times when, when uh, you're staying awake late at night because you can't go to sleep for hours because your brain is going in about five different negative directions. And you're looking at the ceiling and you're like, God, is this, is this life? It doesn't feel like life. Where's, where's the life? And sometimes it, it, it is very much like that, which is why John, John is announcing this. And he says, and he says, and if we can put the scripture back up there, he says, we proclaim to you. Yes. So, and in other words, it, like for us, the, the word proclaim just simply means to say something. But actually the word proclaim, it's a combination of two words, meaning uh, one, a messenger and one to be sent afar off. The point is that he, he realizes that the, the people who are reading this do not feel alive, and they do not sense that life is near to them. 
He is a messenger who was close to life. He has now gone far away from the origin of it in order to tell about it. In other words, he's talking to people who are far from life. So all preaching of the gospel is really just trying to describe the beauty of Jesus to people who can't see him. And so as one of you, there are times when I also can't see him. There are times when I also feel like there's no life around here. There are times also where I'm, I'm, I'm you know, just despairing of life and feeling like life is not near me. Life is somewhere else. But this is the good news of the gospel, that the life has drawn near and that it is coming near and that it is being proclaimed to you. In other words, the messenger is taking it from where it was to where you are to let you know that it has appeared. Maybe, maybe... Maybe a good story uh, to, to read is Mark chapter 5. I think we do have Mark chapter 5 to put up there. Um, and actually, I, I grabbed this Bible because I'm not sure where I want to start. Um, let me back up. Uh, you don't have this on the screen, but Mark chapter 4. There's this, just, just to give you some context of Mark chapter 5, because I think Mark chapter 5 gives us a story that maybe will help explain what I'm talking about, that many of us feel far away from life. But oftentimes it is, it is, it is in those, it is in those times that it, you you see Jesus the clearest and the best and the deepest, because it was in the moment I was just talking about where I'm laying awake and God spoke to me and He said, "Just rest, son." And you say, "Well, okay, well that's real helpful," <laughs> but at the same time, God spoke to me more in that time than he did the whole day prior when I felt better. And his voice is what brings peace and his voice is what brings liberty and his voice is what allows you to unclench your fists and loosen your shoulders and breathe. It's his voice. And so God is near to the broken heart. So God is near to those that feel far from him. He comes near, he draws near, and he speaks. And you say, well, that's not very helpful. But just his voice, the sound of his voice. My sheep hear my voice, not my words. And they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. And so the sound of his voice starts awakening things inside of you and calming things around you and breathing some good stuff into your life. And so I had this this picture when when Michelle was talking about this is the time to reach out. And And I was thinking about that, but so many people feel so far away from God. How can you say this is the time to reach out? But it's really in the darkness, in the distance, this is the day of salvation. This is the time that is fulfilled. For instance, did you know, and this is, this is something that came to my mind while you were talking, I had this memory of Micah out in the field. Um, Roe had lost an emerald. Um, I had bought Roe a nice emerald ring. is like a is like a giant emerald. Uh, it's like an old fashioned thing. She always loved emeralds. And um, one year for our anniversary, I think I, I got or maybe Christmas and anniversary and birthday all together. Uh, we got her this this emerald. And 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 Roe was wearing the emerald ring. She likes to wear it instead of her wedding ring. Um, sometimes just because she's she's cool like that. And. She was wearing it out horseback riding, and uh, they, they, they took some horses out to some place. I don't know where it was, um, and uh, uh, they, they had a trailer, and she was letting the horse out, and the horse, like, smashed her hand into the side of the trailer. And, you know, obviously she had pain in her hands. She, said, ah. she didn't realize, though, that the, the emerald, it had crushed, the, it had bent the ring, and the emerald had fallen out. 
And this is out in the middle of a field, like a large field, multiple acres and trees and grass and all that kind of stuff. And she doesn't realize until she gets back home. She's like, oh no, the emerald's gone. It must have been when... And so she was talking to a friend and because and, and, we're like, well, we got to go find that emerald, you know? And, uh, and her friend said, well, you need to wait until nighttime. So this is really helpful. This is good preaching. It's practical preaching. This, this will help you. If you lose a, a diamond, an emerald, if you lose a gem, don't go look for it in the daytime. Because in the daytime, everything's bright. Like this doesn't make sense, right? You would think, well, I need the sun to be able to see. Well, that's true, but you, the, seeing is not the problem. Seeing the right thing is the problem. So you don't need, the sun illuminates everything. But, but a gem will, will sparkle in a flashlight. And so this is what we did. We waited until it got dark, got the kids in the car, got some flashlights. And we said, look, you just got to stand from a distance. And you shine flashlight on the ground. And if you see a sparkle, that's it. Because grass doesn't sparkle, right? Sage doesn't sparkle. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, you'll see some of those little eyes of the, 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 the spiders. They'll, they'll, they'll sparkle at you. But... Uh, <laughs> It's Texas. Um, there, there are other people, creatures out there. But, but the, 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 and within less than five minutes, we found this emerald in this massive field. We weren't even sure where she had parked. And I, and I had that vision. You, you, you think you find God in the good times. You think you find God in the sunlight. But no, in the sunlight, you see everything. And you miss God. It's in the distance. It's in the darkness that you don't see anything else. And then there's God because he's the one that sparkles in the flashlight. He's the one that appears. He has appeared. He's made manifest in darkness. He is light after all. And light doesn't show up in the sun in the daytime. The flashlight shows up at night. He is light. So if you're in darkness, if you're in distance from him, this is the time to reach out. You will find him. You will hear him. You will see him much clearer than you saw him before. And so, anyway, that's not Mark. That's just something else. I don't know what that is. But, but Mark tells a story of, of a man who's far away from God. And he's, and, he's, and he's living in a place of death. He's living in the tombs. And uh, just, just, just before we get to that story, Jesus is preaching in Mark chapter 4. He's preaching uh, on the beach and he's in a boat and there's a bunch of people sitting on the beach and then in uh, the, the beach ascends so they can sit in rows and they can hear him and, and, and his sound, his voice travels really well in that setting. So he's sitting in the boat, his 12 disciples are with him and he's teaching all day, all afternoon. It's getting late. Jesus dismisses the crowd because that's what preachers do. They always say you're dismissed. So that's not in the Bible actually, but I'm sure he did it. And he said, you're dismissed. And then he turns to his disciples and he's like, all right, we need to go to the other side. Poor disciples don't get any sleep, by the way. If you read this story, as a, personal, a former personal assistant, I, I read this story and I think, wow, Jesus gets to take a nap, but his disciples don't. They are rowing all night. They, they get in the boat. They're like, okay, we have to go to the other side of this lake. It's not a huge lake, by the way, um, but he's going to the other side of the lake and in the middle of the lake, they encounter a storm. And that's, that, that's what you find in Mark chapter 4, which we don't have on your screen. But on the evening to come, Jesus, leaving the crowd, uh, he said to him, let us cross to the other side. And in verse 27, it says, a great, uh, or 37, a great windstorm arose. A great windstorm arose. And that's the key, that this wind began to come against them. And the wind stirred up the waves, and the waves beat against the boat. Right? And Jesus is asleep on a pillow, 
And uh, we've, you probably heard this story where his disciples think they're dying, so they wake Jesus up. Jesus wakes up, he calms the, 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 the waves, but first he rebukes the wind. And it's interesting because when you read the passage, Jesus rebukes the wind, meaning he's telling the wind that it's doing something wrong. He doesn't say the waves are doing anything wrong because the waves are just affected by the wind. And this is the way God will walk into your life a lot of times. Like you have all these waves and you're all concerned about the circumstances and the waves. And instead of calming the waves, he'll just speak to the thing that's stirring up the circumstances. He'll go behind the behavior and into the heart and he'll rebuke that thing which is stirring up the, the, the waves. And that's the wind. So he rebukes the thing that's causing the ruckus and then the ruckus calms and it's, there's peace. But, but, but why? was the wind coming against Jesus and his disciples. Why does he need to rebuke it at all? Why does a windstorm just come up out of nowhere? Well, this is what's interesting because uh, sometimes, and, and I, I, I just sense that sometimes that the wind that, that's encountering you, that's pushing against you, really has very little to do with where you've been or with where you are but it has something to do with where you're going. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He told his disciples, let's go to the other side. And you know that his disciples weren't the only ones who heard where Jesus was going. Because on the other side is a man who's possessed by legions of demons. And he's living in the tombs. And, and the demonic spirits hear that Jesus, that life is coming close. They're in the tombs. They're in a place of death. And they don't want life coming into the tombs. They don't want life coming to that man. They don't want life coming to that room, I mean, into the graveyard. And so, so sometimes the storm that's against you really isn't about who you are right now or who you have, who you're about to be. That the enemy tries to stop life from coming near to you. And he will try to block it in every way that he can because he knows what happens when life comes onto your property. Literally, the Bible says that when Jesus stepped out of the boat, like he didn't even do anything. He just stepped out of the boat. As soon as he stepped out of the boat, the demons in the man started screaming out started crying out, started freaking out. Say, are you come to destroy us? Have mercy. Don't, 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 don't destroy us completely. Why? He didn't even say anything to them. He doesn't have to. Life is being plugged into death. He doesn't need to do something. He doesn't need to preach something. He doesn't need to touch something. He doesn't need to heal something. He doesn't need to, to shake or do anything. He, life is just coming into the, the proximity. The gap has been closed between death and life. And now the demonic spirits know that their time is over because life has moved into the neighborhood. Life has appeared. And so the, 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 the demonic spirits will try everything they can to stop life from getting to you. And in Mark chapter 5, though my life finally gets them, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the uh, Gesenes. This is in ESV, it's Gesenes, but I think... I think in New King James, it's the Gadarenes. Yeah, they, they pronounce it differently. So, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often uh, been bound with chains and had broken those chains. So they, they had been trying to for quite a while. And then whenever we go to the others, and, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. 
When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And so this is, this is, really, the, this is really the ingredients for, for inviting life into your life. <laughs> that life has already made the distance. Life already crossed the sea. Life already attacked the resistance and dealt with the resistance. And that, by the way, that, that is the incarnation. That God became man. He crossed that, that gap. He, he went from heaven to earth. And he, he went from being you know, clothed in glory and majesty to being covered in straw. He, 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 went, he went from majesty to a manger, right? Like that, that gulf, that gap was, was, was so great. And the amount of demonic oppression to that gap, that as soon as he was born, Herod decided to kill all babies that were two and under because the, because the enemy is constantly trying to keep life at bay, keep life at distance, keep, keep that distance between you and God, doing whatever he can, making whatever offenses he can, and getting you frustrated at any person or pa- pastor or people. He's, he, anything he can do to push you away from life, this is what he's going to do. And Jesus encountered all of those. Satan himself came and tempted Jesus in order to get him off of his track of of going to the cross and of being life. And instead of being life, he was trying to get him to do something, turn this into bread, right? Do something, prove it. Don't be life, just do something. And, 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 and the enemy himself is trying to, the wind is beating against Jesus, pushing him away, trying to create and maintain the separation. But Jesus pressed through. And he pressed through the temptation to do something rather than to be who he was. If you are the son of God, turn this, low, turn this stone into bread. If I am, then do. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. Because I am, I don't have to do. Because I am, I, I'm not interested. I, so so he, 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 the wind, though, is pressing against him. The demonic oppression is against him. And he, I mean, he's even betrayed by his own friends with a kiss. Because the enemy is trying to do whatever he can to press Jesus away from so that the life will not appear. But he crosses this vast expanse and he comes onto our property. He comes onto our place. And then we are far from him. And we are in the tombs. And we are night and day. He's not getting much sleep either. Crying out and cutting, mutilating himself, beating himself up destroying himself, hating himself. And from afar, he sees that Jesus has appeared. And so if you're, if you're, if you're one of the ones today that says, yeah, it seems like Jesus is far away. Well, hey, I, I think that's, that's basically 2020. <laughs> Squinting. Is that, is that Jesus? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. Is that... <laughs> It's like sometimes you have to crane your neck to be like ah, 12 really wet guys and one stepping out. You know, he's, he's 
like he's in the tombs and the tombs were caves by the way not like gravestones they didn't have headstones they had caves that means he like this is what the enemy wants you wants to do he wants to pull you into the darkness into the cave so that jesus can appear in your neighborhood he can appear in your world he can appear and you don't see him because you're so deep inside of the cave so some at some point this guy must have stepped out a little bit heard something and began to realize that somebody was coming onto the shore and somehow he recognizes who jesus is. i have no idea this is before social media this he wasn't friends with him on facebook like i don't know how he realizes who jesus is all i know is that he is a far off he's he's in the tombs he's in the caves and he steps out of the cave that's the first step today if you want more of jesus in your life you're gonna have to step out of the cave that you've been living in you're gonna have to get out of that self-loathing that self-cutting sometimes physically self-cutting sometimes emotionally self-cutting you're gonna have to step out of that and i'm not saying that that life is perfect i'm not saying that you got it figured out i'm not even saying that you're not going to go back into the cave i'm just saying that if you want to see jesus you're gonna have to stop the cave is you just see yourself everywhere you turn it's you you and more of you and you talk and you hear yourself and everything you hear is you you and more of you it's an echo chamber <laughs> come on it's like your news feed it's an echo chamber it's just telling you the same stuff you were thinking already and you're stuck in this darkness so the first step is you're gonna have to step out of the cave and the next part you're gonna have to crane your neck a little bit and say wait I, I think maybe that's him yeah you, you're gonna have to reach out you're gonna have to do something maybe that you haven't done before stepping out of the cave would be something he hadn't really been doing much and he had been breaking chains because he had been trying to get free. But freedom is not something you do. <laughs> freedom is not the absence of chains. It's the presence of Jesus. It's when Jesus steps onto the same property. And the demonic spirits that were attacking him realize that. And I'm telling you, all of hell knows that. And all of heaven knows that. And all of heaven is cheering for you to take a step out of the cave. And all of the angels are peering over. Because Jesus, like, his disciples have to be baffled. Why would you go from a crowd to a cave? Why would you go from a bunch of people? Could have taken up a good offering. But instead, you're like, no, we're going over here to the, the, the tombs? Why, why are we doing this? Oh, oh, here's why. Here's why. Just real quick. I'm, I'm about to close, but this is, this is, this is why. Oftentimes in Mark's gospel, by the way, when you're reading it, Jesus will teach something and then he'll do something to, dis to explain what he was teaching. So John was here in this group and, and in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching and he says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? This is the gospel of the kingdom of God, right? How can I tell you about the gospel? He says, what parable shall we use for it? And then he thinks of one. It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches. In other words, Jesus said, okay, how can I, how can I explain this gospel, this, this appearing? Now, what, what is it like? And he says, wait, I got it. It's like a seed. And, 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 and the seed is himself. 
He is the seed. He is the kingdom. He is the one that is appearing. And he said it's, 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 it's like a seed, and, and this seed has in it all kinds of potential. But the potential is not realized until it's planted. And so the seed in and of itself has great power and great potential, but when it's not planted, you don't see the power and the potential yet. So as long as it's in somebody's hand, as long as it's in the church building, you don't see the power and the potential of it. As long as it's hanging out in the pouch, you don't see the power and the potential. Jesus says, but as soon as, as soon as I am put in the ground, like even if it's a barren ground, even if there's nothing growing in that ground, even if, oh, I don't know, it's across, the, uh, it's across this lake where there's death and barrenness, but if I can be inserted into a place of death and barrenness, then it will no longer be a place of death and barrenness. Something new will grow up out of the ground. And so, like, you know, this is why the demons are so scared, because the seed is coming across the sea, and it's about to be planted in the place that they had death and barrenness. This is what he's doing. John is sitting there listening to him. And he's like, what's the kingdom of heaven? I'm like, well, it's like this seed that when planted in a ground that has no other growth will suddenly produce growth. And then they go through this massive storm to show up in a place where there is no growth, where there is just death. And then life takes a stroll through the graveyard and the graveyard is no longer a place of death. Like this is what he does. He plants himself. He planted himself in a tomb for three days and came up a completely new and reformed and a new being, a new person, a new thing, a new human, I think is what, uh, is what, is what Ephesians says. It's this, this collision between, between God and man. When he, became, when he was God and he became man, there was this new thing. And so every time that he comes to the ground, something new happens. Something new springs forth, whether it's in a manger or whether it's, or whether it's, in, a, it's in a tomb on, on Easter Sunday, something new is going to come out. And he himself is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But, but he himself, he, this power, his potential is always there, but it doesn't come out until it's inserted. And so that's the key. He's, he has inserted himself into human history. He has inserted himself into your life into your sphere. He's come close to you. If you'll step out of the grave and if you'll see him and if you'll come to him. And look, he, he, he ran from afar and worshipped him. Still demon-possessed. Not having got the blessing yet or whatever. But we, that's what happens when you come to your life. You start to worship him. You start to see how good that he is. So Jesus, we come before the Father right now in your name. We have access. We have, we have proximity because of your name. And we do. We reach out. We step out of our graves. We step out of the tomb. And here's the thing. This life has appeared. That's why, as a pastor, that's why we always talk about the cross. Not because it's something you need to believe in in order to be saved, like believe that it happened, but that is the appearing of life. And it is something that you need to see in your mind. It is something you need to recognize, and it is something you need to put faith in. That that man on the cross wasn't just a man, but that he was life, and that he is life, and that he died for me, and that he came for me. And that he crossed barriers and boundaries for me. 
that he already did that. He's not going to do that. It's not in the future sometime. He already. I think A.W. Tozer said the ancient of days became the infant of time. He already crossed the boundaries. He already crossed the sea. And he already arrived in our land. And he already planted himself here. And from his death has sprung this new life. And this is what we proclaim to you. That the life has appeared. And this is the eternal life. Eternal meaning it has no beginning, it has no end. He was from the beginning. He created all life that we see. And all life will eventually come back to him. And right now, ML, Malcolm Lavender is celebrating life. <laughs> and it's not an eternal church service either. I, 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 that's, 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 that's a fallacy. Uh, heaven is not one long Hillsong conference where, you know, all the best singers just sing and we all sing and we sing and then we sing and we sing and we sing some more and then we sing and then when we're done singing we sing. That's, that's boring. You know, at some point, we've got to get some football in there. We've got, at some point, we've got to have some good coffee. There's other senses than singing. And God created them all. And all of them are going to be upgraded. All of them are going to be taken to the next level. I mean, all of them. And so Jesus, right now, we, we recognize you as the author of life. And we reach out for you. We want, to, we, want, we want you to be present in life, not just in church. We want life, real life. We want to feel alive. We want to breathe. We want to be able to relax. We want to be able to sleep at night. We want to be able, whatever it may be. Lord, you have come to us in our darkness and in our distance. But we see you so clearly in it now. The life has appeared. And John says, we tell you this so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's come for intimacy. He's come for friendship. So Lord, open up our hearts as we continue through 1 John to step into that friendship with you. In Jesus' name.